0: I almost exhausted, Major. Switch to reserve.
1: Retreat.
2: Buckaroo.
1: Holiday.
2: Buckaroo Holiday.
3: In outer space. <laughs> Man, how does he think this stuff up, right? I know, I know. It's just, it's a gift. It, oh, the concepts, you know. I'm just full of the concepts. Uh, hey, look, this is, uh, it's a good time for escapism, right? So, let's escape. Too much morosity last time. Too much moroseness. Mor- morosivity. I say fooey on that. Let's take a rocket ride to Planet Fun. Here on Buckaroo Holiday.
4: This year's Chief Mildew of Possum
5: Center.
6: Deposit 75 cents, please.
5: But operator, this year is a national emergency. One moment,
6: please. I'm ringing. An urgent call goes out for Adamant. Over thousands of miles, the frantic call is relayed. Meanwhile, far, far below the surface of the Earth, the desperate signal reaches Adamant. Bum, 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 (laughs)
7: Boom boom boom
1: boom Baby baby boom <laughs> dance, <may> paper, <possess. laughs> dance. Your old-time lover <laughs> hasn't got a chance. <laughs> he standing in the jungle, setting
7: me. So not come on pretty baby just you and me. Meanwhile, back in the jungle. Oh. Oh. the jungle had me on the run when something heavy hit me like an atomic bomb when i woke up my head started clear and i had a strange feeling i was with cooking gear i smelled something cooking and i looked to see that's when i found out they was cooking me meanwhile back in the state bum boom, bum baby. in the jungle. I jumped out the pot and I finally got away, frantic with worry, wondering what my baby would say. So I jumped in the ocean and started to swim, but my chances of survival were getting mighty slim. So I thumbed on a whale who was heading my way, and I reached the States in a half a day. When I got to Love's Lane, I was almost dead, but I saw it was gone. Um, baby, boom, um, baby baby
4: We are on Pacific Island number 407, almost directly upon the equator where the Earth's spin is at its maximum. The lazy quiet of this beautiful tropical place is being violated by the hubbub of scientific activity. <laughs>
6: Zero, 00 09 60 two, two, one, 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 00 day of sun 2
5: Seven, six, five.
3: Bobby Rydell makes an excellent point there. Normally I wouldn't put down the holly gully. You know me, but... When you compare it to the cha-cha-cha... It really is a nothing. So thank you Bobby Rydell for pointing that out. And I'd also like to thank Adam Ant... For pointing out that... uh, While the masters rot on walls and the angels eat their grapes... He watched Picasso... Pablo Picasso visit the planet of the apes but what's he mean by it i don't know it does seem to suggest a certain antipathy toward pablo picasso on adamant's part and i'm not a big picasso fan either i'll tell you just you know one of them things and wedged in between all that we had the jayhawks doing the original version of stranded in the jungle the original jayhawks for that matter I know what you would think. You were thinking, wait, this ain't the cadets. Come on, man. Get hip. Well, kidding aside, the first time I heard that song was by the New York Dolls on their second album, In Too Much Too Soon. But that first version, yeah, well, you heard it. It's, uh, it's got something to it, you know, some kind of weird clunky quality that I love. And just like that, here we are, well into another buckaroo holiday in outer space. Wait, in, in outer, outer space. So it's like a theme, right? It is what are we gonna do with this theme? I I, maybe, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll do things here and there that actually uh, relate to the to the overlay. Let's relate to the overlay. You see, I feel kind of like I'm out in space right now. So I relate to the overlay. Always have, but uh, lately more and more every day. Eh, but it don't mean shit. And why dwell on it? Let's get into a touch of space music. What the hell?
4: free freefall, entering the orbit of the man-made satellite, Space Station, Terminus Terra-1. We have a feeling of great insignificance. Then another. And another. In fact, they went right on until they'd told me to burn up every man-made thing on the face of the earth. And I did it. I burned away every last trace. I left nothing. Nothing of any kind whatever. Then they told me to blow it all to hell and gone. And I blew it all to hell and gone. Oh, didn't I? Now, they said, put it back together again. Put it all back the way it was when you started. Well, it's my turn then to tell them something. Shucks, I didn't want any job that bad.
3: So you got this Italian songwriter named uh, Ivano Alberto Fossati. Very successful Italian songwriter. He cuts a song called Tema del Lupo. Tema del Lupo? I don't know how you pronounce it. The wolf's theme. So when the song was released as a single in the States, they um, decided to call it the Al Foster Band, rather than Iv- Ivano Alberto Fossati. And the piece was retitled Night of the Wolf. And it was picked up eventually by the Northern Soul crowd in England, pretty popular on the dance floors. And then in 2008, an album project was put together called Black Feeling in, of all places, Australia, where contemporary artists reinterpreted all these crate digger favorites. And that was what that was from, by an act calling itself, at least for those purposes, Esperanto. Night of the Wolf prior to that you heard a little bit of poetry by Kenneth Patchen kind of a beat era poet I guess, I like his stuff and you heard Looking at You a Cole Porter number recorded by Lee Wiley He was a great singer career lasted from the 30s through the 60s recorded that one in 1940 for a semi-private label catering to um, aficionados very small pressings, kind of like uh, all of this bullshit scotch that they release small quantities of for great amounts of money. I mean, they did it with records back then. I guess they still do, I don't know. But Lee Wiley, great singer, and an especially tender number by Cole Porter, started out with the Mighty Mighty Hawkwind from the Dory Me Do album. I think that was the first one Lemmy was on. John Nielsen can correct me if I'm wrong. But that was when they really hit their stride, I think, with that... Uh, aggressive space rock drone thing. Jody Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with the heart
2: of steel. That Iron Man all oh, just a blaze he fights and fights with his altering amazing armor amazing armor
1: amazing
3: armor Ah, well, would you look at that? My favorite theme from the Grant Ray Lawrence Marvel Heroes TV cartoon series Things, etc. I like Thor too. Maybe that'll pop up later. You never know. Crazy things happen here in outer space. (laughs) Anyway, when I was 12, I was listening to uh, my brand new Hunky Dory album by David Bowie, digging that. My brother overheard it and he heard this song and he said, Hey, that's a Biff Rose song. I said, Biff Rose, who the hell's that? A little while later, in a Walden bookstore, in a cutout bin they had there. It was the Thorn and Mrs. Rose's side, so I bought it. Album from 1968 or 9, I guess it was. It was a fast favorite, and I was a fan of Biff Rose's from then on. And eventually became friends with him, and we hung out quite a bit. And the last time I saw him was also the last night I saw my mother alive. The two things are not necessarily connected, but... They kind of are, because I was kind of in no mood for bullshit that night. And uh, I'll put it this way, he's not the first friend or the last friend that I had to kind of pull away from in order to retain my affection. And I do have a lot of affection for him, and I have an enormous respect for his music. As a side note, I'm hoping that, uh, that others are shunning me for the same affectionate reasons. These days when you express uh, unpopular opinions, people fly away you can be ghosted assumptions can be made about you these days everything's important and everybody's right about it trust me (laughs) no don't trust me (laughs) don't trust anybody although you can trust me on biff rose he is a great artist And I think what I want to play today is uh, three sections from an album called Roast Beef that he did in, I think, 1978 for a label that Michael Nesmith was running. Biff sat down at the piano, recorded one side in one sitting and the other side in one sitting at the piano. One continuous stream of manic piano with little songs bubbling up every once in a while from the midst of that. I'm going to play the first three songs from that album, but I'm not going to play them in succession. That might be kind of sacrilegious, maybe, to uh, the flow of the album, but I I don't think it matters. I'm going to keep them discreet and mix them in with other stuff along the way here. Biff Rose is one of the great American songwriters, I think, an incredible performer and an amazing mind. I wish him well. So here's the first excerpt from Roast Beef. Lyon, specifically. Climperoy? Clomperet? I don't know how you pronounce it. But they were sort of in the Pascal Comelard vein. Or are. I don't know much about the current status. That's from about 20, 25 years ago. Something like that. Le Pain Mémé. preceded by Leo Sayer's original version, the show must go on. It was made into a big hit by Three Dog Night, but they really kind of turned it into kitsch. Imagine that, Three Dog Night turning something into kitsch. The thing, the worst thing about it was that they changed the whole meaning of the song by singing I must let the show go on instead of the original line I won't let the show go on. Maybe that's the difference between a hit and the truth. I don't know. I think it's a great record. I think Leo Sayer made a lot of great records. He had an album called Just a Boy that was beautiful and he... Uh, wrote the songs that uh, comprised that Roger Daltrey's first solo album, I believe, which was pretty strong stuff. Corman Joe Beal thinks so. Corman Pat Boyle likes Leo Sayer. <laughs> Before that, you heard a section of a piece called Indebted to Mr. Dolphy by the Fun Brass, a German quartet doing the kind of stuff you he just heard. And at the top, the first section of Roast Beef by Rose.
4: Rainbow brain be
0: everywhere. Love this classic. This world just wasn't made for me. Oh, life, you're much too cruel. Fill my path with tragedy and you make me play the fool. I never had no loving, no just been me and you throughout this half a life dog i'm a man oh come and sit beside me let's be friends oh say you'll stay with me until the end we can shake these problems if we try we'll be friends till i Say you'll stay with me until the end We can shake these problems if we try We'll be friends till I roll over and die
3: You might have noticed the sound on that one was a little weird. The reason for that is that it was recorded live on a 747 Jumbo Jet in the Piano Lounge back in the mid-70s by Martin Mull, who sang it there with a bunch of random people on the plane and the flight attendants. In the Eyes of My Dog, I'm a Man was the name of that beauty. Martin Mull later became famous for uh, various comedy roles. He was... I think he was on Roseanne for a while. I never watched it, so I think that was the one he was on. And he was on... Um, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and Fernwood Tonight, way back there. And I'm sure he's done a bunch of other stuff. But when he started out, he was an artist. He's still quite an accomplished painter. He did a great guerrilla art show at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. He and some other renegade artists at the late 60s, early 70s, they commandeered the bathrooms of the museum and hung all their works up there. And they pre-promoted it as a show called Flush With the Walls, or I'll Be Art in a Minute. At that time, he was largely interested in doing things based on animation cell art. He actually painted cells and created backgrounds for them, and that was each individual piece. And, of course, he did these satirical musical numbers and recorded a bunch of albums for Warners. Yeah. eligible for debt and interest rate reduction on your existing... Ay, ay, ay. So before this fucking thing interrupted me, I was about to tell you that you heard the second tune from Rose Beef by Biff Rose. And then before that, a little someone I like to call Charles Mingus Canon. Took me a long time to get into Mingus don't know what it was because now now I hear the stuff and there it is you know it's great stuff but he was a blind spot for me for the longest time sometimes you really have to work at stuff as they used to say in AA it works if you work it so work it you're worth it Mingus was worth it and we had the west coast pop art experimental band cult favorite from the late 60s mainstays in that band were the Harris brothers who were the Sons of renowned American composer Roy Harris One of those Copeland-era, regionalist, uh, populist type of composers And the leader and financier of the band was a depraved character by all reports Named Robert Markley And I don't want to really get into his special sicknesses but you can actually hear them in the lyrics of all those albums that band did. It's a really fascinating story. You should really look into it if you want to hear about... Uh, if you're into strange sidelights of American pop music, that band's certainly one of them. This is Shanghai, China,
7: a city that has given our heroes a few bad moments.
8: Well, you just don't gallop out about the deck of a sinking junk and don't lose your footing... Gee, Bullwinkle, maybe we should be more concerned with world problems. The kid. Oh, shut up, Paul. Oh. No
5: one can ever say that our last episode was a total loss. For as you remember, we learned to be on...
4: I'm a son of a bitch. Oh, shit. Oh, oh shit. I <laughs> see. After was being severely... Robbed. Pick it up with, back. indeed, they I might hurt the moose's stomach. Well, I'll slow it down a little. But
8: <laughs> well, when Bullwinkle left the onion shop with a...
7: <laughs> Well, take the l- No, no. Listen, Under- I've you just stay out of this. Yeah. You go over on your fucking side and you stay there. I don't want any shit out of you tonight. Understand? Now get over there.
9: See behind my eyes. If you could see behind my dreams, I screen you for love all the time. Sure beats the stuffing out of one at a time. Who needs the repetition? Who needs the repetition? If you could see behind my eyes, I'm wet behind the ears from swimming in tears.
8: This morning with love in mind It was raining outside But my love still shined Kept me warm Till my plane touched the sky And I've seen love Make a fool of a man He tried make a loser win but I got nothing to lose I can't get back
2: Stranger. Pretend and ignore it from my own satisfaction But sooner or later on, the Zion explode. the explodes It's a
3: Undertones from Derry, one of the great bands of that late '70s era of punk, that came from across the Atlantic. Before that song, it was Neil Young's "Love in Mind" from the "Time Fades Away" album, which was always one of my favorites, despite what Neil Young thinks of it and what a lot of people might think of it. Um, I, I love that album. A little more Biff Rose before that. And I do encourage you to hear the whole roast beef album as it should be heard all in one sitting. It's really pretty remarkable. It's full of incredible musical invention, beautiful, crazed little songs, and Biff's unbelievable piano improvisations throughout. And that little section began with one of Irving Berlin's most beautiful songs, What'll I Do, sung by a giant of 1950s Hollywood, Judy Holliday, who died way too young. At the end of the 60s, Chess Records decided to create a label called Cadet Concept, which was, I guess, a home for uh, progressive soul, notably Rotary Connection, who we've heard before, and this band, Archie Whitewater. Pretty unsung, but check them out. I splendid ain't the word, maybe ideal rendition of the Rodgers and Horn masterpiece. It never entered my mind. There's no shortage of good versions of that song, but I've never heard one better than that. Before that, a band from Dublin, Ireland, Supply, Demand, and Curve, which I guess is a kind of economist's joke on Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I don't know. But they, uh, I don't know what you'd call them if you had to call them something, I guess. You could call them Prague or jazz rock. Who needs to call things, things? I just use these terms, I don't know, very loosely. But that was freckle from 1976. And we started with uh, Archie Whitewater, 1970, I think. Towards the end of cadet concept's uh, existence. And shoveled under, as Carl Sandberg would say. Ooh, do you remember that poem, Grass?
4: Pile the bodies high at Austerlitz and Waterloo. Shovel them under and let me work. I am the grass. I cover all. And pile them high at Gettysburg. And pile them high at Ypres, Verdun, Stalingrad. Shovel them under and let me work. Two years, ten years, and passengers ask the conductor, What place is this? Where are we now? I am the gray. Let me work.
3: That's something else, huh? You know, if Carl Sandburg hadn't uh, hit it big in the poetry racket, probably could have written an ad copy for Sherwin Williams. I cover the earth. But yeah, what a strange style of delivery. Bless his heart. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hang around with this older guy named Matty, who was a painter. He was an artist. He was in that whole world, New York City world of lofts and artists and stuff. A lot of interesting stories connected to that. But we had a copy of the Cademan album, Carl Sandberg reading his poetry, and Carl Sandberg imitations were popular for a while. And <laughs> popular... <laughs> You know, kind of gives you a glimpse At the, what kind of kid I was No wonder if I'm socially maladjusted But I'll tell you, speaking of uh, these Social estrangement issues And uh, outer space Maybe I'll talk a little bit about something that used to happen when I was a kid I talked about this a long time ago on a blog That I kept, but Very few of you that are listening to this Ever read that So my childhood, of course, was during the space age It was also the age of Unrest Vietnam Civil rights movement, psychedelia, a lot of tumult, a whole lot of churning, change, and it was pretty exciting. But there was a lot about it that was also very frightening. Maybe one reason I'm not all that frightened about what's going on now. It certainly concerns anyone living. But uh, you know, saying it's uh, you can put things in perspective if you've experienced things. You know, I think I've experienced hell, but I've always gotten through it by remembering that there are other people who endure hells that I will never be able to imagine. And also by knowing that I've uh, experienced heavens that are as good as any anybody has ever experienced. It's good to keep these perspectives, but it's also good to be able to escape somehow. One of the reasons I'm so involved in music is I find it to be the most immediate and effective egress from this often intolerable reality. So when I was a kid my older brothers were frightening me by getting into drugs. It strikes me that these drugs were not capable of creating things in your mind that weren't already there, somehow accessible. And I thought it would be useful to practice ways of accessing these alternate perspectives, these other worlds inside. One of the things I used to listen to was a record, an LP, with um, music by Eugene Ormandy and Leonard Bernstein. Pieces that that appeared in 2001 A Space Odyssey, as well as some other pieces. There was some electronic work by Morton Subotnick, there was uh, Pieces by Ligeti. And I would lie down on the floor with my head between the two speakers. We had the kind of portable hi-fi that had this attached speaker. So you'd, I'd put them each about six inches from each ear and lay with my head on a pillow on the floor and listen to this stuff and trip out. Just turn my uh, conscious mind off and let the unconscious supply the images that the music might suggest. And uh, these became, these moved from images to physical experiences. When I did it often enough and consistently enough, the world would change, the universe would change, I would change, she, the, the things would melt to It was, uh, I guess it was informed by surrealism because I was real into that stuff. And uh, there was a TV program called Limbo that was. An experimental video production ballet piece with a lot of uh, really interesting video chroma key effects unlike anything I'd seen before. And all the psychedelic imagery that was floating around at the time and Steve Ditko's stuff for uh, Doctor Strange comics. All that. Oh, another big one was this Pavel Chelichu, if that's how you pronounce his name. It's a Russian painter who had this huge painting that at the time hung at the Museum of Modern Art at the top of one of the stairwells. Look it up on the internet. Hide and seek is the name of the painting. Pavel Chelichu, Russian T-C-H-E-L, etc. I don't know. That was a big one for me. Every time I'd go to Museum of Modern Art, I'd just stare and stare and stare at that picture. Anyway, this, this tripping out thing became really useful. I'd do it in school. I would sit there in a boring class and just disassociate, kind of like Penrod did when you floated around his classroom. I would do this, and it got me in a lot of trouble, because in school they used to beat you. I was in Catholic school, and they would physically uh, torture you. You would hold out your hand sometimes, and they'd whack you with a pointer 25 times on the hand, or you'd have to bend over the front desk in front of the whole class, and they'd whack you with a ruler on the ass, or or again, a pointer or something. They, They were sick fucks. And there was one guy who um, had these military style tortures. You know, you'd squat um, holding books in either outstretched hand until your whole body was racked with pain. And he'd just sit there in the class looking at you and talking with you. I had to develop psychological tools to disassociate and not feel the pain anymore. And I would sit and stare in this guy's eyes. As if to say, I could do this all day. So you just let me know when you want to go home and we'll stop. This was a necessary arrogance. I think it blinded me to the trauma that I was actually absorbing through all these events. But it was and remains useful to me. I don't believe in being intimidated by undeserved authority. I don't believe in being cowed by the way the group behaves or thinks some of the other kids would tell me if I just behaved wouldn't happen why don't just just stop carrying on I didn't think I was carrying on, Is the problem but I just, uh, I didn't do anything that bad you know, so I, I didn't see any reason to change what I did it was more like a Bartleby thing r- refusing to comply nothing drives motherfuckers crazier than you just shrugging off their nonsense really, really but it puts you at a remove it puts you at a remove from people sometimes now on the street where i lived which is one of the heavens i described 17th street between 10th and 11th avenue and windsor terrace brooklyn 606 was the house and it was paradise it really was paradise and on a summer night i would be out in the street with the other kids but Sometimes we play Coco Livio or some of these group games that I enjoyed, but I didn't partake of stickball or anything like that. I never cared for ball sports of any kind. That's how I got my nickname. Bonzo Dog Band song about a kid who hated sports. But when the other kids were busy doing this stuff, looking at me like, you know, this weirdo, you know, when you're, when you're treated like a weirdo constantly, you kind of lose your inhibitions about doing weird things, which leads me to the taillight. There was a car that used to park right in front of our house, right near a street lamp. I don't know how I noticed this. I have no idea what provoked it, but it was like the gloaming. It was that time of night when, you know, you'd hear mothers calling.
8: Aunt me! Aunt me!
3: And kids would run in to do homework and eat dinner, and and the sun was in that interim period. Betwixt in between, light imparted a kind of a magic to the street, concrete and the stoops. I always tried to seize that little period of time when the streets emptied out to just savor uh, this public solitude for a little while. So without going way too long with this thing, this was one of those nights at that time and dawdling in front of my house. And I see this car under this streetlight that's always parked there, and the way the streetlight is hitting, I don't know whether it's the, some reflector on the back or the actual tail light. I think it was the taillight, but it's the red plastic thing in the back of the car, and I see a little glint, and I look down closer, and something is drawing me in, you know, so I got, tried to get real close I ended up like sort of straddling the sidewalk and the street, one leg in the street, one one foot off the curb as they say, right? And crouching down and peering into this thing and I don't know what I expected to see. I don't think I expected anything. It was, it was an intuition. And I kept working an angle because I couldn't really see much and then suddenly I saw it. Just the light had hit it at the right angle and my eye was looking at that from the correct angle. And I saw this red world, glowing red world. Now, I'd recently seen a book in school. It was a little booklet about the moon, which was a big topic at the time. There was a little piece in it about a thing called the Locke moon hoax. It's a pretty interesting story if you look it up in the, it was a newspaper in the 1830s, I think it was, called The Sun, New York paper. And some guy named Locke started writing stories about an expedition to the moon that identified all these species of life on the moon and, uh, you know, caught people by storm. And it, of course, turned out to be bullshit. But illustrating the article was a period drawing or lithograph of what was described in the story. Caverns filled with bat-like humanoid creatures flying about with rivers flowing through and I stared at this picture, man. I stared and stared at it, I I loved it. And this is what began to inform the vision of the taillight. It was this scarlet world of caverns. And the more I concentrated, the more vivid it became and the rivers appeared and the creatures drinking from the rivers appeared. Everything in different shades of red, just glowing, vivid red, slowly moving, the creatures flying around and idling around. And I would go there every night. Uh, when possible and stare into that taillight it wasn't always situated properly to get the right angle of light but usually you would park pretty much in the same spot and with enough patience I was able to see this incredible world now I'm telling you, this world was a work of my subconscious imagination that was influenced by an artist's rendering of fake news in a newspaper from over 100 years earlier But there's no doubt that this was as real as the street in Brooklyn itself that I was crouched on staring into this car. There's no doubt in my mind that that was just as real. And what's my point? I don't have a point. just thought I'd tell you about it. Cool story, bro.
2: get the city.
3: rock and roll record. Coasters, I'm a hog for you, baby. 1959. Preceded by Ornette Coleman with Spaceflight, Then something new by Elephant Stone out of Montreal. A track called Hollow World. And the first thing was our pal John Kale. Buffalo Ballet from the Great Fear album. I don't know what possessed me to go into all of that stuff before talking and talking. I apologize. I'll make it up to you. And I'm not Stumm, stumm.
5: problem of my own. What's that? What am I going to do with 300 goldfish? Well, why don't but... you... But although Bullwinkle didn't know it, he had an even more serious problem. <laughs> <laughs> we might have a disaster here. Don't miss the Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> don't miss the Rolling Stone.
7: <laughs> Don't miss the... <laughs> it's getting higher and higher and higher, higher, higher. Why don't you Shut get a larger jockey
1: shorts? <laughs> That's what it is.
5: Don't miss the Rolling Stone or Luck ma, No Moss!
4: for our return to earth and as we blast off into the stillness of the spatial seas we try to understand something of what we have seen
3: That was Maggie and Terry and Suzy. Maggie and Terry and Suzy Roach. With Another World from the album of the same name. Before that, you heard a brief snippet of an album we've been hearing bits of through this theme show, right? I said I wasn't going to do theme shows, but this one did turn into one. When I started it, I was just like, yeah, you know, in outer space. I'm sorry, in outer space. You know, like. Silly gag, but then it's kind of what happens. The themes will creep up on you, whether you like it or not. So the um, the little bit that you heard before that that's interspersed through the show that there was from a 1955 album called "Exploring the Unknown," composed by Leith Stevens, with the voices of Walter Schumann or Schumann, and narrated by Paul Frees, who also was involved with. Jay Ward Studios, you've heard those outtakes from Rocky and Bullwinkle here and there. The Rolling Stones with Street Fighting Man. A dramatic break from my regular tendency towards obscurities. But I thought you needed to be rewarded after all of my palaver about childhood and staring into the ends of cars. You heard the sound of a defective Furby in there somewhere. You heard Vinnie Riley, Durruti Column, with Beginning. And before Beginning, Bill Purcell with Our Winter Love. And guess what? That's two hours and uh, that's enough, right? I am going to leave you with a little yap. I always go out on something, but this is a little unusual and I'm going to warn you ahead of time. It's really boring and it's really, really long. I don't know why I like it, 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 but I like it. Eckhart Ehlers, if that's how you pronounce his name. He uh, does things based on samples and loops. This is, well, I think you recognize the sample. It's uh, Goodnight by the Beatles. I think it's one of the creepiest things they ever recorded. I never liked it. But I like it in this context, looped into oblivion. It's a little bit of sleight of hand, really, because he takes something that I don't like at all, that makes me feel uncomfortable, and then takes part of it, loops it into this incessant droning thing, and for some reason, suddenly, that it moves me. I, I can't, I can't figure it, but that's the magic of music. And it's called Eckhart Eller's plays John Cassavetes Part Two. Why it's called that, I don't know, but I approve of a title like that. People should play John Cassavetes. I'm down for anything paying tribute to John Cassavetes. Very fond of John Cassavetes. And I'm very fond of you. Let's hope we get some uh, relief from this plague, relief from this shutdown, relief from everybody's Well, never mind. I wish you all the very best, and I thank you for listening. See you next time for another Buckaroo Holiday. Take care.